If you are with us here in person or if you are watching online, it's so great to have you with us. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders of the church here at Christ Central Fredericton. And um, we have been going through the book of Acts over the last few months. And we've seen how God is working powerfully in these early chapters of Acts. We've had the Spirit of God coming on the believers. Signs and wonders and miracles are taking place. Healings. God's Word is being proclaimed. Many people are getting saved. They're getting added to the church. You know, if you look at these first three or four chapters, it seems like it's a huge success story. Doesn't look to be a lot of things going on. You might think, this doesn't look like our church. Um, (laughs) But it looks as though everything's going great. But now we've got to Acts chapter 5, and actually we begin to see that it's not all one big success story at all. Yes, God's power is still at work, but it doesn't mean there aren't other forces at work as well trying to shut things down. And opposition is rising up, and uh, this comes in various forms. It comes from outside of the church, opposition comes, but there's also opposition that comes from within the church and within what's going on in the church as well in this new group of believers. So this morning we're going to explore where this opposition is coming from, what the opposition is attacking and what is to be done in the face of this opposition as well. And we're going to look at at quite a long passage and I'm not going to read it straight at the start this morning. What we're going to do is have it on the screen and if you've got Bibles, if you can turn to Acts chapter 5 Um, And we're going to be from verse 12, and we're going to go all the way through to chapter 6 and verse 7. I'm not just going to read it, but I'll be referring to it as we go. And so the guys on AV at the back will have to figure out where I am in the story, and they'll have to change the slides. And if uh, you feel they're they're not keeping up, you can just turn around if you're sitting somewhere near them and throw something at them (laughs) and wake them up. (laughs) I'll give you permission. (laughs) All right. So what we, uh, what we read, um, uh, last week when Joe was preaching, we see that God had been working in mighty power amongst the apostles. People are bringing their sick relatives and friends, they're putting them on the streets, on beds and on mats, and, and people are being healed in amazing, miraculous ways. Even just Peter walking by and his shadow falling on these people, they're getting healed and people are thinking, wow, this is amazing. Like, like, it's as though, almost as though Peter's some sort of God. Well, of course he's not. He's not a God. But the anointing of God is powerfully upon him and at work in him. They're being, people are being set free from spirits that are tormenting them. And, of course, the apostles are still preaching and teaching about Jesus. Uh, many people are coming to know him. Now, all of this is going on very publicly. It's a very public demonstration of the Christian faith, which has really only just begun. Um, And uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse 12 says that everyone was meeting together, and it's happening in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. Um, That was a huge courtyard. If you imagine the temple, which is a huge building, and they had different areas of the temple. This was in the outer courts of the temple, a huge wide open area in what they often called the women's court. And uh, it was happening in full view of lots of people. So obviously it's getting quite a bit of attention, all this public ministry that's going on. Now today in our Western society, 
people are much more nervous about public expressions of faith, of the Christian faith. That's probably changed in the last 20 or 30 years. I know since I've been a Christian, it certainly has changed. Um, when I first came to faith, we used to go to the downtown of our city and we used to perform little skits in public. We used to preach the gospel. We used to do little things uh, to communicate the love of God to people. And of course, not everyone appreciated it. And uh, we were nervous to do it. We had to take courage. We prayed for each other. Come fill us with your Holy Spirit, God. You know, we're, we're scared about this. Every time it wasn't easier. But we knew that we were carrying the message of eternal life in Christ Jesus. So we, we kind of pressed past our nervousness and embarrassment, praying to be filled with the Spirit, and we spoke. A few years ago, we did something here where we said, um, as a church, we're going to go to the summer market. And anyone who wanted to come down could come on a, a, a Thursday evening, I think it was, to the summer market. And we would just go out, and we weren't even going to set up together. We'd just go out and talk to different people, individually or in pairs. We only had a handful of people show up. Um, and I think some of that is because the whole culture, both within the church and outside of the church, has somewhat changed. Much of the pressure and the, and the discomfort that we feel might come because as a church we've begun to take on some of the views of our culture and increasingly our society says, don't go speaking about Jesus. It's a very similar message to what the apostles were getting. Don't speak about Jesus. It's okay to have your faith, but that should be a private faith. It should stay private. Don't let it publicly affect anything. Don't let it affect your work. Don't let your faith affect your work. Don't talk to people at work about it. It's got to stay private. Some people say, leave your faith at the door. Well, of course, that's an impossible thing for us to do biblically because our faith is so tied up in who we are and all that we believe and are in Christ Jesus. But it does cause some of us to become nervous, and, and we've got to accept we get affected by some of these things. It causes some of us to become nervous to say, actually, Jesus is the only way for people to come to know God. And we might be more happy talking about our, our faith and what we believe. We might be happy to say, well, you know what? I found Jesus to be real help for me, but hey, if you found another way, if you've got another faith that is different, well, bless you. That's great for you. And of course, we should respect people's faiths and beliefs. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus' words should make a huge difference to us in how we speak with people. Because if we believe those words that Jesus spoke, we know that the only way that people can come into a relationship with God is through Jesus. As I said, our cultural context is not hugely different to the one that the early church faced. They weren't allowed to speak to people either. They were told, don't speak to people about Jesus. And yet they still did. The Bible encourages us not to have a private relationship with God but a public faith, a public faith. Yes, of course, coming to faith in Christ Jesus is a personal, private thing. Each one of us 
we'll have our own story if we know Jesus of how we came to know Jesus. Maybe it took a, a long time to come on that process. Maybe it was a sudden thing that God did in our lives, but we each have something that God has done in our own hearts. And that's a private thing in some ways. But straight away, the Bible says, believe and be baptized. And as we go and be baptized, that suddenly, that private faith becomes a public faith. Baptism is a public expression of our faith in Christ Jesus. And Jesus commands us for us to keep on living our faith publicly. Once we go public, it stays public. Jesus says, go tell other people. Proclaim the good news to people. Make disciples of all nations. First Peter even goes on and says in First Peter chapter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope you have. Always be prepared to tell them publicly what reason you have for the hope you've got in us. He doesn't say go and be obnoxious, go out of our way to offend people with our faith, so that's not what we're about. It says go on and do it. It goes on and says do this with gentleness and respect. But if we're honest, many of us secretly hope we're never going to be asked. You kind of think, oh, I'd much rather kind of live out this life and hopefully no one will ask me <laughs> and I won't have to say. That's not what God wants us to be like. We all battle with these things, each one of us. I battle with them too. I don't want to be at all standing here and saying, hey, you know, I've got it sorted and I'm wrestling with these things myself. It's difficult to live publicly, but that's what we're called to do. In the same way that the early apostles did, we're called to love people by seeing them healed, set free by deliverance, and we're to see people saved too. I wonder, are we on board with that? Are we all in? Are we all in on, and that's what Joe just kind of prayed almost. He's like, yeah, we're all with you, and yeah, we're with you, God. Are we? Are we all in publicly? Does it make us nervous? It's no surprise if it makes us nervous. There were those in Jerusalem who highly regarded the Christian believers, it says, but they didn't dare join them because there was a cost. There was a cost. They're going to get in a lot of trouble. And there still is a cost. There still is a cost today. And that's what happened to these early believers as they were healing and preaching at Solomon's colonnade. And this time it was the high priest and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, who came to arrest the apostles and they came to put them in jail again. And it's very interesting that the reason they gave for this was they were jealous. It says they were jealous. I mean, what is it that they were upset about? People are being healed. Are they wanting more sick people? People are being set free from bondage. Do they want more people to be demon-possessed? You know, what's going on here? These are the religious leaders of the day. It seems crazy that they don't want these things to be happening. But it says, no, the high priest and the Sadducees were upset because they were jealous. They didn't have this anointing from God. They hadn't been anointed by God to go and heal people. They hadn't been anointed by God to set people free. 
The high priest had spent his whole lifetime training, working his way up the ladder to get to the top religious position. And he's upset because God hasn't anointed him to heal and set people free. Instead, he's anointed Peter, an uneducated fisherman. Well, what's all that about? How come he gets to do all this stuff? How come he's getting the crowds around him? He's jealous. We see all the way through the Bible, God anoints who he wants to anoint. God anoints who he chooses to anoint. And actually, those people aren't necessarily any more godly people. Peter messes up more than any of the disciples, with the exception of Judas. He messes up all the time. Yet he's the one who Jesus says, I'm calling you, Peter, and on this rock I'm going to build my church. It's God's choice because it's about his glory and not our glory. And today we can get jealous of people's anointing as well. We can feel, well, maybe I'm as gifted as those people and how come I've not been chosen? Listen, God doesn't look at our talents or our qualifications or whether we mess up. He's looking to anoint who he chooses to anoint. And, and as he's doing that, he's looking at people's hearts. On Friday, we're going to have a Good Friday um, meeting here at 11 o'clock. You can book in online. Ben McGuigan is going to be leading worship for us. I love when Ben leads worship. Um, because when he leads worship, he ushers in the presence of God. He ushers in the presence of God. Now, let me tell you something. Ben hits more wrong notes when he's playing the keyboard than any of the other worship leaders. <laughs> he's always getting the wrong notes. With the possibility, you know, more than, apart from myself maybe, who I just play in the wrong key. Or it's out of tune, like last time. <laughs> but Ben, I would say, I would argue, is more anointed than any of us who lead worship. And, and that's no disrespect to anyone else who leads worship, Grace and Nathan. Great job this morning, you know. But there's an anointing that comes on Ben. Why is that? If he's hitting the wrong notes and he's, well, I don't know. God's chosen that. Now I know Ben's heart is for God. He's got a passion for God. He loves Jesus. And God brings the anointing. It's not a formula, but I would encourage us, love Jesus. Don't be jealous of what God's doing in other people. The high priest is jealous, and so he comes to arrest them. But obviously, the other reason that the disciples are in trouble is that they're preaching about Jesus. We have an enemy, and our enemy, the devil, uses different people and different ways to achieve his aims. And his main aim, the enemy, is that he wants to stop people preaching about Jesus. He'll discourage us from speaking about Jesus. He'll make us feel we're not worthy enough to be used. He'll make us believe that, you know, isn't it arrogant that we're saying Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? All sorts of lies that will come, but he'll come at us with opposition as well from outside of the church and inside the church. Maybe from our families, maybe from our friends, maybe from others. We're going to see both in this passage, and we're going to quickly go through them. This, this Acts chapter 5 is quite a funny passage if you picture what's going on. We're going to try and act it out a little. Uh, apologies to you who are online. You may not be able to see all this or any of it. And we're going to have to limit the actors in this uh, little dramatization because of COVID. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose the Rosales kids, if that's all right, because I want you to be some of my 
actors. And I want two of you, let's have Santiago and Isaac maybe, um, being the apostles. And I want you to stand over here. So just Santiago and Isaac. Daniel, you can wait a moment. You're going to have a key pit in a minute. Okay, so you can just, tell you what, why don't you just perch yourself back with your parents for now. You'll be in in a minute. <laughs> All right, you guys are the apostles. And this side of the room is going to be the crowd who you are preaching to and healing. So you're standing there. You, you, you just be healing people and doing what you need to do. And they're amazed. All right. Oh, it's great. All right. Now the high priest is going to come and he's going to arrest you. Now I'm going to kind of be the high priest. I'm going to send someone to arrest you. Now Rick's here. So Rick, Rick's, Rick's a policeman, those who don't know. So Rick, don't get too close to them, but you go and arrest them. And I want them to put them behind that screen. You're going to arrest them and put them in. Come on. This is, how, this is how Rick does his job. <laughs> He's done it before. <laughs> All right. In jail, behind the screen. Okay, Rick's going Rick's to stand guard. You can stand guard. There you go. That's good. All right, so they're in prison. And they've got a guard there. And it's all fine. And the, and the high priest is going to call the Sanhedrin the next day, because this is night. I'm going to call you guys. You're going to be the court. You're the elders of all of Israel. You're going to come the next day, and we're going to try these guys, and we're going to have a court. Okay, that's, that's what's going to happen. But in the night comes an angel. This is your bit. Okay, here you come. You're like a kind of ninja angel. All right. Because what you're going to do, ooh, careful. <laughs> you're going to sneak. That's it. Oh, he's got it. The angel, he's got to get, he gets by the guard. And he gets them out. They, come on. Yeah, that's it. There they go. <laughs> Ooh, yep. Come on out. He says, come on out. He's got them out. And he says, go and preach again. Go on. Off you go. You're going to get a night's sleep, but you're going to go back and preach. So you can stand there again. The guard still thinks they're there. The prison doors are still locked. The ninja angel has got them out. Great job. And so they go back into the temple court. So the high priest is putting together this Sanhedrin, the court. They all come together the next morning. And uh, they, they're saying, okay, it's going to get serious. So they get the court together and they send for the apostles. Okay, now um, Bronwyn works in a court, so you can come. And you can, uh, it's great that you came this morning, you see. Uh, you can come and you can go and, go and get the apostles out, okay? No, no, you don't know that. <laughs> You've got to go. Go to the guards. You know, see if you can get in. <laughs> Have you got them? They're gone. They're gone. Oh, dear me. That's useless, isn't it? Go and sit down, you two. <laughs> Terrible guard there. <laughs> so they're gone. Well, no one knows where they are. Apart from someone comes to the high priest and says, you know, where, do you know where they are? That they're here, they're preaching again in Solomon's column. They're back where they started. Oh, my word. So it's like, what is going on? So the high priest says, look, go and get them again. Go and get them again. No, you this time. Yeah, go and get them. Bring them. <laughs> get them before the court. We're not putting them in prison. There's obviously some dodgy prison. Okay, you can stay there. All right, that's great. You can go and sit down now, God. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So the high priest is like, what are you doing? We told you, even back in Acts 4, we told you, do not preach in the name of Jesus. 
and we warned you about it, and then you were out there preaching again. We locked you up in prison, and then you were out there again. How did you even get out? What's going on? We warned you not to preach in his name. The high priest couldn't even bring himself to name Jesus. Actually, a lot of people can't. Do you know why that is? Because there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's the most important name above all. It's worthy of glory. So, the high priest says, do not preach in his name. What do the apostles do? They take the opportunity, because they're there with the high priest and the Sanhedrin, they preach! They start to preach. So you're preaching to us now. Off you go. <laughs> and they preach, and this is what they say. They're doing the actions. I'm going to read it. They say, where are we up to? Oh, my word. Uh, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, who you killed, hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, who God has given to those who obey him. They're preaching now to the Sanhedrin. The religious leaders totally lose it. Okay, totally lose it. This side. All right, they're totally losing it. They can't win. They've tried to stop them by imprisoning them, and ninja angels got them out. So instead, they bring them before the court, but they're still preaching. And they're now the audience for the preaching. It says they want to kill them. But if, ow. <laughs> it's okay. I've read the next bit. It's not great, but it's, <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not great. Instead, a Pharisee called Gamaliel comes and says, look, come on, it, just let them go. If, if you let them go, if this isn't from God, it'll all die down. If it is from God, if you're opposing God here, you guys are going to be in big trouble. He said, so just, just let them go. So what happens is they, they get Rick up, they get, the, they get the guard up, and he beats them. You don't have to do this too literally. <laughs> he beats them, and then they let them go. He gives them, he gives them 39 lashes, probably. You don't have to do 39. Okay, <laughs> great. And you guys can go. You can go and sit down, but actually, they don't go and sit down. Thanks, Rick. You're good. We're done. Give these guys a round of applause for helping us out. They do leave. Actually, as they leave, it says they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing. Well, they've just been beaten and whipped and told not to preach in the name. I mean, they say that again to them. Don't preach in the name of Jesus, as if that's going to do any good. They're rejoicing and it says why they're rejoicing. It says in verse 42. Are we up to verse 42 yet at the back? No, oh, we're good. We're good. Good job. Um, it says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah. Why were they rejoicing? It says because they've been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. They were rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy. For the apostles, this was a great win. They would have been bleeding, and from the whipping they'd had, probably 39 lashes, but they now got an object lesson in their bodies. They're going, their, their bodies are bleeding, and, but they can go and stand to people and say, hey, Jesus was beaten like this for you. He was beaten for you. 
He died for you because he loves you. These guys were all in. They were totally committed to preaching the gospel, the word of God. They knew one day they were going to die. And history tells them, as almost all of them did, one day their time would come. One day God would take them to glory. And the suffering and the beating would end. But until then, they were going to preach the word of God and rejoice that they were counted worthy of suffering, of disgrace. They weren't ashamed of Jesus. There's persecution and opposition that comes from speaking about Jesus. It might not be whipping and a beating. It might be a loss of friendship. It might be opposition and criticism. It might even come from you just living a godly life because you're not going to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend or because you won't lie at work or whatever it might be. But church, we have to learn to count ourselves blessed and embrace the persecution. Count ourselves blessed to be counted as worthy of those who can suffer for the name of Jesus. Jesus himself says in Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So there's opposition from outside. Again, very briefly, there's opposition from within. We don't have time to go into the whole passage. Uh, Acts 6 verses 1 to 7, what we see, it says there's disciples were increasing. There, there's, there's different groups of people in the church, Hellenistic Jews, Hebraic Jews. They were giving food out to widows who didn't have enough money themselves to buy food. And the uh, Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked. We'll explain all of that next time that I preach. Um, but they were getting lots of complaints to the apostles. Can you sort this out? And they were arguing between each other, and they were saying, you need to do something, apostles. And what happened was the apostles said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order for us to wait on tables. Now, that might sound really arrogant and superior. That might sound as though, like, oh, you're above that, are you? You're above the waiting on tables. You want the preaching and teaching job. Actually, they've just been beaten for that. So they're, they're probably like, yeah, let's wait on tables. <laughs> it's probably much easier. Um, but they're saying it wouldn't be right for us to do that. Yes, people are hungry and starving. Yes, there's arguing going on. Yes, it needs dealing with. But they're not, the apostles aren't saying we're too good for that. What they're saying is this calling to preach the gospel, which was on them, is of ultimate importance. We have to do it. We can't let opposition come, whether it's opposition from outside or whether it's opposition from within the church. And so what they do, and we'll find out about this next time, is they, they come up with a system and they come up with a way that all of that is going to get dealt with, but they're still going to be able to speak and preach the gospel because these apostles know the enemy wants to shut down the preaching of the Word of God. We need to realize just how vital the preached Word of God is today. Some people even today will tell us this isn't an effective way to, to teach people and to communicate to people. Much better to have a discussion over a coffee. Some people will say it's too offensive. It's too confrontational, this preaching. Maybe we need to prioritize other things. You know, we've only got an hour or so for our meeting. Maybe we need to have more time worshiping. If the worship's going really well, let's just keep worshiping. Let's cut the preached word. No. The apostles counted themselves as worthy of disgrace, beatings, and death so they could continue to preach the word of God. Let's not give up on it lightly. Preaching was described by Martin Lloyd-Jones as logic 
on fire. It's the power of God, the anointed power of God to change lives through the changing of our minds so that we stop believing the lies that we'd always believed and we start to believe the truth of God and we can start to walk in faith in that truth. And the power of the Holy Spirit works together with the Word in conjunction. It gets hold, he gets hold of our hearts through the preached Word and He changes our minds about God. He changes our minds about who we are in Him we take hold of it by faith and we live it out. So I would encourage us this morning, let's develop a hunger for the preached word of God. And what I mean by that is not just entertaining stories, and we can, we can have fun, we, we had a bit of fun this morning, but really an exposition of God's word, bringing it to life so that it changes our hearts and our minds. And it's the Holy Spirit who has to do that. It's not the personality of the preacher. Because, you know, when we preach the Word of God, it's not nice. It's not comfortable. It's not what we want to hear, first of all. This message isn't the message most of us were wanting to hear this morning. How privileged we are to suffer for the sake of Christ Jesus. Our flesh isn't going to embrace that. Our, our carnal minds are not going to say, yes, that's what I want. But the Spirit of God, through the preached Word, can transform us so that we do. So, church, I guess the question here is, are we willing to embrace all that being a, a disciple of Jesus brings? Are we willing to be public believers, not just private believers, and count the cost of what that means? Because serving God isn't just sitting around a campfire at Green Hill Lake Camp playing a guitar, great as that is. Because serving God and living for Him will involve ridicule and rejection and persecution. Some of you might not have even wanted to be baptized. Some of you maybe haven't been baptized because you're nervous about the public aspect of it. We need to see that's the whole point. That's the whole point. God wants us to go public with our faith. In the power of the Holy Spirit and dependence on Him, we can embrace it and we can go on being public God can change us. He will change us. Jesus is asking us this morning, will you stand for me? Will you embrace being a witness for Jesus? Being someone who says, yes, Jesus changed my life. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the only one who brings forgiveness of sins and can bring us to the Father. Jesus' death on the cross is an expression of his deep love for you. Are we willing to say those things to people, whatever the cost? It's a message that the early church were willing to die for. And it's a message that God sends his help for. Not just his angels, but his Holy Spirit to empower us, to embolden us, to proclaim it. Let's pray for that boldness. Let's pray for the Spirit of God to come and lead us in this. Why don't we stand together? I'm just going to pray and Grace and Nathan are going to come and uh, lead us in a final song. But before that, I'm just going to pray. If we stand together if you're able. And listen, let's just come before God. I, I really don't want to communicate that this is an easy thing to embrace. We don't, we're not just embracing these things lightly. These apostles were threatened with death. Many people have died for the sake of Christ. 
It's not something to do lightly. Oh yeah, I'll die for you, Jesus. Actually, God's wanting to come to our hearts in a deep way this morning and say, really, are you really prepared to die for me? You won't feel like you are. Are you convinced by the word of God? Are you convinced by the power of the Spirit? In which case, will you step out in faith and say, God, I'm, I'm seeing it in your word. That's what I want to do. I need your help. I need your spirit. If that's where you're at, I just encourage you, let's just hold our hands out as I pray. Father God, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you for the power of setting us free from all the things that bind us, bringing us a life that is so wonderful, so joyful in you. But Lord, we recognize this side of of the life in you, which is not easy. It's difficult to get our heads around being whipped and beaten and then going away rejoicing. We want to be honest, God, and say we don't feel that that's where we're at so much of the time. We need you, oh God. Thank you, your word convinces us. Thank you, your spirit anoints us. Lord God, I pray, come, do something deep in our hearts even today that we are changed for you, that we would be publicly willing to embrace our faith, not just in private, but in front of others, that many more people might come to know the love of God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.